Hi, I'm Douglas Haynes, your Monday host of A Public Affair. We love creating this public space for in-depth conversations about education, ecology, food, and so much more. To keep these conversations going, we need your support. Go to wortfm.org slash donate. Thank you. Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I like to take it to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. Welcome to A Public Affair. I'm your Monday host, Douglas Haynes. Today on A Public Affair, we're going to talk about the future of the 65-acre Voigt Farm on Madison's east side. The farm is an urban oasis in many ways. Just this morning, I saw a flock of a dozen turkeys scavenging corn in the field there. I've also seen coyotes, foxes, deer, and sandhill cranes there alongside a red barn, silo, and cars buzzing by on Milwaukee Street. The land itself absorbs stormwater and stores carbon, and the unbroken, expansive views there lend a sense of openness to the crowded urban landscape. Last year... The Voigt family sold their farm to Threshold Development Group and Stonehouse Development, now known collectively as Starkweather Creek LLC. In December, this group presented their proposals for the land at a community meeting attended by about 100 people. The prospect of this land being transformed raises many crucial, bigger questions. What is development? Who benefits and who loses from changing this place in the midst of Madison's housing crisis? And how will changes either contribute to making Madison more resilient to the climate crisis or more vulnerable? Today, we're going to dig into these questions and many others as we talk to representatives of three key players in the future of Voight Farm. First, we'll talk to Madison Alder Grant Foster, who represents Madison District 15, which includes Voight Farm. Then we'll talk to Helen Bradbury of Stonehouse Development about her company's plans for the land. And finally, we'll speak with Colleen Robinson, interim president of the community group Save the Farm, about that group's vision. First, we'll go to Madison Alder Grant Foster. Welcome to A Public Affair, Grant, and thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. So I think we should start, Grant, really with um, your perspective on uh, the city of Madison's role in the changes to Voight Farm. Um, you've been in that area a while, and you have a, a kind of short, if you could give us a short history of uh, the changes to the farm that um, have been talked about for a while or are now forthcoming, that would be great. Sure. Um, well, um, I mean, I, I think as you and, and most others know, this uh, you know was a farm for many years as well as a a quarry um, operation. Um, it's you know it's been a relatively undeveloped um, large parcel of land uh, within the the urban area, and um, you know, had been talked about for many many years um, about the potential and the possibilities. And um, you know I think it wasn't until as you said this kind of this past year where um, the land was actually put up for sale and uh, an offer to purchase was uh, made and accepted um, um, for it. So there's been a lot more um, specific work since then. Um, I guess a little bit prior to that, Save the Farm um, really started organizing and also started working on a a vision for redevelopment of that land as well. 
Um, so the last, yeah, last year to two years, it's been um, sort of suddenly more active in terms of the thinking and planning around around the site. And has there been any uh, city funding so far uh, for the project grant? And um, what are the city's priorities? Uh, well, this I guess not um, not funding for the project. There was. Um, uh, planning work that was done, I think it was about four years ago, maybe four to five years ago, um, that resulted in the creation of uh, what was called the Milwaukee Street Special Area Plan. So that included the, the Boyd property as well as um, where Swiss Colony was, where the Amazon um, facility is now, as well as um, kind of east of there through the where the post office is and Woodman's, et cetera. So it was kind of that general area along Milwaukee. Um, and so that was really the, the primary city involvement to date um, was in uh, the kind of the planning efforts that um, that happened then and that resulted in, in the adopted um, Milwaukee Street Special Area Plan. Uh, I think the only other sort of relevant city work in regards to that has been, um, well, I guess two things. One is also the um, intergovernmental agreements between Town of Booming Grove and City of Madison um, around annexation of of that area that um, has been Booming Grove, um, you know, coming into the City of Madison. Um, and then uh, well, I guess that would be the, the other kind of key involvement of the city, yeah. You're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name is Douglas Haynes, and today I'm talking with local stakeholders about the transformation of the Voigt farmland on Madison's east side. If you'd like to join our conversation or have questions for my guests today, please give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. You can also tweet us at WORT Talk or message A Public Affair on Facebook. So um, thanks for that short history grant. Uh, I'd like to move now into what's happening now. Last year, as you said, there was an accepted offer. The family accepted an offer for the land. Um, As the group that is developing the land moves forward, how is the city able to exercise influence to address the need for affordable housing and flood mitigation in particular. Maybe there are some other needs you might want to bring up as well, but those are are two biggies that have come up in the conversation about this. Sure. Uh, Well, um, I guess in terms of affordable housing, um, well, let me back up. I'd say the primary tools that the city has um, are really related to um, land use approvals. So right now, well, the, the property was uh, recently annexed into the city of Madison, so that is sort of, you know, step one. Um, it's you know no longer part of the Blooping Grove, but uh, is the city of Madison. It was already part of the um, intergovernmental agreement that that would happen at 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 the point of redevelopment. Um, but the property owner um, uh, applied for that, and and it was accepted. So it it is city of Madison at this point. So that was sort of number one. And then now that it's part of City of Madison, um, you know the city really has the largest say in terms of what happens um, on on private property through zoning um, and through building permits, um, um, as well as the um, 
replanting process. So that's really where the kind of the stage where things are at at this point is um, in preparation of a, a replat and rezoning. So right now, um, you know, it's essentially a, a large parcel that's zoned agricultural. And so the, the property owner, whoever the property owner is, can can kind of do whatever they want as long as it's allowed um, under that zoning. And so what the development team is working on is a plan that would um, uh, replat that area. So, you know, go from sort of one large parcel and divide it up into smaller parcels um, uh, as well as um, rezoning that would allow for different uses rather than just agricultural. So um, that's kind of the, the, the primary um, sort of city process or control over what happens. Um, and then in terms of how the city exercises influence over things like affordable housing or flood mitigation, um, for affordable housing, um, it's actually very limited in terms of what the city can do, um, partly because of um, state statutes around this, but we, you know, we're, we're not allowed to do inclusionary zoning, for example. So we can't just require that, um, you know, a certain number of units be affordable in order to, you know, allow construction to go forward. So the, the biggest lever the city really has at this point in regards to affordable housing is actually more through uh, incentives um, or actually um, paying for. So, you know, we, we get applications from developers, um, often those that are applying for tax credits through the state also, and then come to the city and say, we have a proposal to build affordable housing and we'd like you to help pay for part of it. So the city can choose to give money to developers in order to get affordable housing, um, but we don't really have a any way to require it as part of a development. Um, in terms of flood mitigation, um, that's mainly through our um, stormwater ordinances um, that were recently updated. I think it was about about a year and a half ago when we um, updated and, and sort of passed more stringent stormwater requirements. Um, and so any any development that happens is required to meet those standards, and it, it sort of spells out um, you know what needs to happen in terms of retention and um, and um, kind of the quality of the of the stormwater discharge. And my understanding, just to follow up on that, um, Grant, is that uh, part of this land, the sixty five acre parcel, is not. Um, legally developable, developable is that correct? Um, due to flooding concerns. Yeah, I mean, I think probably half, you know, roughly half of it. I would say that you know, most of the entire northern part, you know, anything that's basically in a floodway um, is not um, you're not able to develop that, and um, you know, DNR regulates. Um, that as well, so you, you mean you really don't have an opportunity to just come in and fill in areas like maybe folks did hundreds of years ago. But um, so, yeah, I would say that the developable areas is probably about half of the overall acreage. And for listeners who might not be familiar with this place, um, it's right along Starkweather Creek. So that in part is, is the reason for 
the flooding concerns, which drains much of Madison's east side. Grant, while we have you on the line um, for for one more minute, uh, I'd love to hear your vision. What what does development mean to you when you have a place like this that really uh, could go in so many different directions and, and change the whole feel of that part of Madison? And what is uh, the kind of development you'd like to see at Voight Farm? Well, I, I mean, I think it's a, a really great opportunity for um, uh, kind of urban infill housing. Um, you know, there, I, I think everyone's aware of the, the real shortage of um, housing, including affordable housing in Madison. And um, I think there's also pretty good awareness around, um, you know, the, the, the benefits of um, doing higher density infill development rather than continuing to um, extend urban sprawl and um, uh, have you know low density suburban style development. So I think this is a really good opportunity for that. Um, you know, it's in a place of the city that um, you and I love and call home. We'll have really great access to transit. Uh, you can bike downtown in 20 minutes. So I'm excited um, for the opportunity to have um, you know more housing really for people there. Um, I'd love to see some uh, additional commercial activity um, as part of that development. You got something that that the neighbors have really continued to call for, you know, having the coffee shop or restaurant or other places to go and, and do some of their commercial activities. Uh, and then I'm really excited about the opportunity for uh, kind of preservation and restoration of. Um, uh, large parts of the natural environment there as well. Thank you. Uh, that's Madison Alder Grant Foster, who represents District 15 on Madison's east side, talking with me about the Voigt farmland and prospects for its future. You're listening to a public affair on WRT 89.9 FM Madison. If you're interested in talking about the future prospects for Voigt Farm on Madison's east side, give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. Uh, Grant, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having the show. We're going to move on next here on A Public Affair to another key player in the future of this land. We have Helen Bradbury, president of Stonehouse Development uh, on the line. Helen is also co-owner with Richard Amison of Stonehouse Development. Stonehouse is a Madison-based development company whose portfolio consists of both market rate and affordable multifamily properties. Welcome to A Public Affair, Helen. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, first of all, uh, tell us about uh, the the company you've created with Threshold, Starkweather Creek LLC, and why you work together to acquire the Voigt Farm site. Okay, great. Um, yeah, Starkweather LLC is the entity that we have created that has the accepted offer to purchase on the site at this point. Um, Threshold. We've known Joe Krupp, who's the principal threshold for, for years. Um, and they actually came to us um, because they saw this as a wonderful opportunity. We're both east side developers. And um, it, it's, a big, it's a big project. And we both, both firms just thought um, some synergism and working together would be the best way to accomplish such a large parcel. Great. So tell us so far what uh, your vision is. I understand you presented some proposals 
to the community in December. Uh, can you summarize those proposals for us? Um, sure. I, I can summarize a year's worth of work in a couple <laughs> of sentences. Um, but as you probably know, it's about, it's over 60 acres. And we looked at, at the site from every possible angle, knowing that ultimately um, housing was the top priority. Um, we don't have to tell you that Madison has a bit of a housing crisis. Um, so we, we primarily wanted to, to accomplish that. And then we, we did all of the geotechnical studies and um, environmental assessments and things like that and listened to the community, had a very early uh, neighborhood meeting. And anybody who's seen the site knows that the upper 30 acres could be and is a beautiful natural area with a large pond. So it seemed to it seemed to call out to us that making that asset available to the larger community, the neighborhood, um, should be and is a top priority. So that became after housing our our top priority. Great. Can you tell us a little bit more about the vision of, of housing you have um, there, Helen? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. We've, um, we've created, just let me just at this point say that we're not asking for building approvals right now. We're at the stage where we're just platting it. So we're creating parcels and roads. And the stage that we're at now is accessing, getting all the roads figured out um, with the various city departments. But um, in creating the parcels, we, we wanted to look at zoning. So we have a range of um, low density, two-story um, parcels and up to six, potentially six-story parcels. And we wanted it to read like a neighborhood, not just be a sea of six and eight-story multifamily business buildings stacked up. Um, and, and the other reason is that there, there is a, a demand, an interest in um, home ownership. And so we wanted to do some low density duplex, fourplex, um, potentially uh, affordable owner occupied. Um, so there are four parcels that are going to be zoned for the lower density. Um, Stonehouse, <laughs> excuse me, Stonehouse does more traditional affordable housing um, using the Section 42 housing tax credits. Um, and our, our properties are um, between starting at 30% of the county median income going all the way up to 80% of the county median income. So it's kind of mixed income. So there will, it is our intention to have at least a couple of Section 42 um, multifamily projects in addition to the two-story low-density stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're at the point where we're looking at fam primarily family units, I think. Um, we're not quite sure where the senior market is for affordable housing. But that's our, that's our expertise is affordable housing. So then we're talking to other nonprofits who would want to get involved in the more um, low-density, owner-occupied, permanent affordable housing. So we've had conversations with um, a couple of nonprofits about that. Thank you, Helen. Um, we'll get to feedback about some of these proposals in a minute, but we have a caller on the line. 
John, you're on a public affair. Hi, thanks for taking me. I see you have gotten to some of my questions already. Um, I'm curious why only a couple um, units are being like uh, allocated for uh, Section 8 housing. Um, I mean, my, my, I myself, I'm a single renter. Um, I haven't been able to afford a single family home, let alone uh, start a family due to the income in this uh, city and due to the rents in this city. I would love to know what the developers plan to do to ensure that the residents of this uh, of these neighborhoods aren't getting priced out because of high rents that are going to jack up their own rents. Um, uh, positive developments that, that admittedly are great, but would wind up making everybody's lives a lot more financially challenging. And just making sure that Madison stays a or becomes, again, a great place to live and an affordable place to live. Because honestly, right now it's becoming borderline impossible. Thank you very much for the call, John. Uh, Helen Bradbury, would you like to respond to John's question about how to really make sure that this is not uh, this development is not really making Madison more expensive? Yeah, um, I, I guess the the idea is that we will be Stonehouse will be and anybody who wants to look up our our resume, we will be doing not just a couple of of units, we'll be doing a couple of buildings of Section 42 housing, and that is. Um, affordable rental housing. Um, and uh, the parcels that I was talking about for the lower density stuff, we're hoping to attract developers who have expertise, nonprofit developers who have expertise in uh, owner-occupied and permanent affordable housing. What percentage of the total units will be affordable? You know, when I'm, I'm not at a, point, at a point where I can state that. Yet our goal is, you know, 15, 20% of, of all the units that will be built out there will be affordable. Um, but it's accessing affordable housing tax credits is difficult. Um, and building affordable housing at the quality that we build it at in this economic climate is difficult. So we don't like to promise more than we can deliver. But that's our goal is um, closer to 20% is what we're hoping. You're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name is Douglas Haynes, and today I'm talking with local stakeholders about the transformation of the Voigt farmland on Madison's east side. If you'd like to join the conversation, please give us a call at 608 608- Two five six two zero zero one extension nine, or you can reach out on Twitter or Facebook to a public affair. So, Helen, we just got a little bit of feedback about concerns about um, cost of housing, and then the the ripple effect of gentrification uh, from this project. What other kinds of feedback have you received so far? about the your group's proposals uh, that you outlined at the meeting last month? Um, Jen, what, what have neighborhood feedback have we received? That's right, yeah. Oh, you know, I, and maybe you, I guess overall we've been very 
happy with the um, reaction to the neighbors in both of our neighborhood meetings. We had a second one on December 8th, and that one, by the way, is, is posted on our website if anybody wants to look at it. Um, lots and lots of interest. Starkweather Creek is an extremely important asset to that community, and we, we heard a lot of good feedback on accessing Starkweather Creek, accessing the pond, hiking trails, and um, nature walks, and that kind of thing. So we, we were feeling pretty good that we were on the right track. I know um, you just mentioned the green space on the property. I know that since this is uh, at least in part agricultural land, a lot of the community conversation has been about incorporating community agriculture and community gardening in this site as well. Mm -hmm. And that has been a focus. Uh, one focus of the Save the Farm organization is making that um, vision come true to enhance food security as well in the community and give people opportunities to connect with their food. Uh, is that playing a role in the vision that uh, Starkweather Creek LLC is laying out here? It, it, is, playing, it is playing a role. And we do have um, community gardens um, outlined in a, in, a, in a particular parcel, and we've actually been talking to somebody who wants to um, make it a reality and run it for us. We are, we are playing with things like edible forests and um, things like that. We frankly cannot or could not um, meet Save the Farm's initial desire to have 10 acres um, be a farm because of that 10 acres where the cornfield currently is, is the buildable area of the site. That's where the housing has to go. How you mentioned um, trying to meet those those expectations or the vision of community members and the Save the Farm organization in particular, which we're going to hear more about in a little while. Um, what is the opportunity at this point for community members and the Save the Farm organization in particular to be able to participate in planning and decisions for the site? Is there an ongoing process for that? Yes, there is and there will be. Um, we intend to um, have stakeholder meetings specifically on the open space, um, of which there's what, 35 acres, I guess. Um, so that, that's the next step in, in our process, um, is, to, is to get together organizations like Friends of Starkweather Creek comes to mind to help us figure out what we're going to do with all this beautiful land. So can you tell us a little bit more about that, that process and what kind of influence community members would have? Um, well, they'll have tremendous influence in terms of we have to work with the city. So we're, we're going to work with the city and the parks department and every other city department that has some jurisdiction over this. So we're, we're kind of at a stage right now where we're letting the city know what our vision is. Our vision is to conserve, restore, develop the upper 30 acres for community use, um, and ultimately not to own it privately. So what does that mean? Well, the city is digesting what that means. And um, once we get past that, we'll open the doors to 
again, organizations like Friends of Starkweather the Creek, Save the Farm, and say, you know, help us figure it out. Great. That's uh, Helen Bradbury, co-owner with Richard Amison of Stonehouse Development, who is working uh, as part of Starkweather Creek LLC to um, build housing on the Voight Farm site on Madison's east side, which is our focus today here on A Public Affair. We just have you for a few more minutes, Helen. Um, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about a larger concern in the community about using a very unique opportunity like this at a very unique site to continue car-focused and uh, concrete-oriented development of um, open space. Uh, concrete, of course, we know enhances or the flood impacts of um, increasing rain events like we're having because of the changing climate. And we also know that we're trying to move away from car-focused development in general uh, because of among other things, the climate crisis. So tell us about your group's thinking about how to address those issues and whether or not um, you share the community's concern about them. We totally share and embrace the community's concern. We're part of the community. Um, we want to live on this planet as well. And we consider that, I probably should have said that, is one of our major goals. Um, the site is car light, we call it. It's bike and pedestrian friendly. Um, we are trying everything possible to keep car traffic to a minimum um, and to create a, a sustainable, a model of a sustainable community. That, that is one of our major goals. We think, for example, that we'd like to have um, a ped bike bridge over Starkweather Creek to connect to Fair Oaks Avenue. That's one of the things that we're, we're hoping to accomplish with the city um, and to continue the bike path up the western edge of our property. Um, but every road that we're developing is, is meant to be low traffic, slow traffic, heavy on bikes, heavy on pedestrians. Finally, Helen, thank you. And, and what you were just talking about really relates to my last question for you, which is the same question I asked Grant Foster a little bit ago. What, what development means to you and what that vision of development on a big scale looks like at the Voight Farm site? Uh, when we talk about developing a place, uh, what does that represent to you? It's, it's a, we've, we know that it's a very special place, and we've, we've been on it, we've walked it, we've looked at it, we've had consultants looking at it. We really want to see this development be unique in Madison in that it is, so it's housing surrounding um, this nature area, this nature preserve, conservation area, whatever we end up calling it. I mean, that is our, our vision, to keep it. Uh, low traffic and bike friendly and pet friendly and na um, nature friendly. I mean, we really see people walking and bird watching and planting their gardens. And that's the kind of community we're hoping to build here. 
You've been listening to Helen Bradbury, president of Stonehouse Development, talking about Starkweather Creek LLC's plans and vision for the Voigt Farm site on Madison's east side along Milwaukee Street. Thank you so much for joining us, Helen. It was great to talk with you. Thank you. Can I just make one correction? It's My partner is Rich Arneson. We must have spelled it wrong when we sent it to you. Thank you. Sorry about that, Helen. <laughs> so uh, Helen is co-owner with Rich Arneson of Stonehouse Development here in Madison. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Doug. I appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us. So you are listening to A Public Affair here on WRT 89.9 FM, Madison. My name is Douglas Haynes, and I'm talking with local stakeholders today about the transformation of the Voigt farmland on Madison's east side. We'd still love to have you join our conversation. You can give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9, or reach out on Twitter or Facebook. My last guest today for the last third of our hour is Colleen Robinson, interim president of Save the Farm, a three-year-old community organization that has advocated for its own vision of the Voigt Farm land. Colleen is also an environmental educator and owner of Nature's Good Company. Welcome to A Public Affair, Colleen. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. So I think we're going to backpedal a little bit, first of all, Colleen, and have you tell us about this community organization, Save the Farm, which we've been referring to all throughout the hour, but this is a chance for you to, to really tell the story of this community organization, first of all. Sure. Uh, Save the Farm was born out of um, an initial vision and, and uh, desire to work out how we can have more diverse and affordable and sustainable housing options in Madison. Um, and when the Voigt farm was rumored that it may come up for sale, um, that broader effort turned into a focus for what might be possible on this site. Um, Save the Farm was born and it's really a collection of community members putting together ideas and a vision for what could be possible on this site that is um, really rare um, and has huge opportunity for meeting all kinds of community needs and city goals and climate goals and so forth. Um, and the effort all started over three years ago. So Save the Farm for three years uh, has put together a vision um, from the community with architectural designs um, and again, reflecting community interests that included significant affordable housing, urban farm and agriculture acres, and natural areas preservation and restoration. Tens of thousands of dollars were donated to this vision and millions of dollars of interest pledged if an investment co-op was to be created. Um, as part of the overall vision, a community center and education space was envisioned to support both community building and connections among people, as well as connections to people in the present natural communities. Great. You just gave us a good sense of that, that big vision there, Colleen. What to you stood out uh, personally in that vision that made you really want to throw yourself into this organization? What specific aspects, for example, 
really made you feel like we're going to do something very different here? Um, for me personally, it was the opportunity to uh, create a space where people were living very closely with the land that they were living on, um, whether that was food production and starting to um, have opportunities for people to understand exactly where their food comes from and the role that they play in where their food comes from, and then how uh, the role they play in that can make a difference for their own health and wellness and nutrition, um, as well as environmental health and sustainability. And then also connection to the natural areas. Um, Starkweather Creek and this whole area are an incredibly critical watershed within our city. Um, and just being able to provide very proximate, educational, and um, embodied experiences in these spaces that we all depend on um, and that depend on us, frankly, for, you know, everybody to be well. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that, that personal connection with the vision. What did the organization do over these three years to try to make this uh, vision come to life as the land came up for sale? Give us a brief history of how the process developed. Sure. Well, we started um, with some meetings uh, in person before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, we were uh, meeting over Zoom. Save the Farm had every second and fourth Tuesday of the month meetings to bring community members together um, and really just start to think about, okay, here's 64 acres, what, what's possible? What's here now? Um, what do we know about the history of the property and the really intimate connections that so many community members have with this space, um, both in terms of being able to see and experience wildlife there and, and canoe on the Starkweather Creek, but then also um, festivals and things that have happened on this site over time there are a lot of really personal, really um, important connections. And so we had a chance for people to come together and talk about that stuff. There are over 600 people following Save the Farm. And um, there are about 50 who are very, very active. And among all of these folks are people not only with a personal history connection to the space, but also expertise. Um, many of us have spent our entire careers working um, pretty diligently on uh, soils science and um, ecological restoration and wildlife and even policy and funding around these issues. And many of those years have been dedicated right on this property um, and adjacent to this property. So we have a lot of expertise that um, can be brought forward to creating possibilities on the site. And so as we started thinking about all of this, uh, a 20, 20 acre, not, not 10 as Helen had quoted, but a 20 acre urban farm was in our vision, 12 acres of affordable housing, and then the remainder in natural areas restoration and preservation. We found it difficult to be articulating all of this without pictures and a layout. So we started a GoFundMe and um, raised over $30,000 from the community to uh, bring forward community awareness and also hire, um, after a bidding process, architects who could start to put this vision into um, visual form. 
And uh, that's available on our website and in a shared drive that is out there for all people who are following VOIT um, activities through Save the Farm. And um, there's architectural designs that, that show these different aspects. And that's also what we shared with the developers when they came to us in um, late 2021 and uh, were saying that they had um, values aligned visions and wanted to partner with us. You're listening to a public affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name is Douglas Haynes, and I'm talking with local stakeholders today about the transformation of the Voigt farmland on Madison's east side. You have time still to give us a call today at 608-256-2001, extension 9. Uh, I'm talking with my third guest today, Colleen Robinson, interim president of Save the Farm, a three-year-old community organization that has advocated for the vision uh, Colleen was just telling us about here. Um, Colleen, so you had just reached that point in your comments where you were talking about uh, Save the Farm's vision and its compatibility with um, what the developers uh, had in mind who um, bought the rights to build on the land last year. Um, so far, in what you've learned about what uh, Starkweather Creek LLC has presented, and they had a community meeting in, in December, what elements of Save the Farms vision seem compatible with the vision of the developers? Um, well, first of all, we I'd like to just stress that we've been... Um, as much part of the process as we possibly could be, although that's less than we were hoping um, over the course of the past year. And um, we brought a lot of ideas from Save the Farm and the partners that we had already been talking with and working with to the developers and wrote briefing packets on all three land uses that we were thinking about. Um, and these briefing packets had the idea had potential partners laid out, had um, some analysis of, of funding possibilities um, that we had put together, although that needed to be more robust. And um, they have taken a lot of that into consideration. So some of the partners that we had pointed them to, they already knew about, some were new to them, and they've started to work with some of those folks. So um, that was encouraging to us um, at start and I think in alignment right now um, are ideas about natural areas preservation. So certainly both groups seem to want to see uh, 34 acres of um, floodplain and other low-lying areas be restored and um, protected. However, this is undevelopable land. So um, the development team at Starkweather really wouldn't have other options for that space. Um, so we're happy to know that they want to partner with parks and a public-private um, partnership to make really great high-quality restoration happen there. On the other hand, um, that needs to happen anyway. Uh, a development with um, really good community spaces and safe living and um, desirable housing is not going to happen next to um, necessarily some of these areas that are um, full of road infill and, and so forth right now. So restoration needs to happen regardless. Um, we're happy to partner on that. Uh, we hope the, the city will, will help with that as well. 
Um, but just to be clear, that would have to happen anyway. Those acres are not being developed regardless, but that is a place where, where we're aligned. Um, another place where uh, I think we are aligned is actually worth talking about as a separate issue, but um, there has been some interest uh, within the city to, um, and it was, it was sort of mentioned in the Milwaukee Street Special Area Plan about extending Chicago Avenue from the sort of northern area of um, this property across Starkweather Creek to Fair Oaks. And um, the development team and Save the Farm and the community are very much in alignment against that Chicago Avenue extension. Um, it would really put a complete break in the Greenway. Um, it would be wildly expensive um, and very resource intensive and very detrimental uh, environmentally and in terms of community building on this site. So those are two places where we really align. Um, I'll continue on, on some of the other areas if that's fine. Uh, uh, I'd love to come back to that, Colleen, because we have a caller on the line actually um, with a okay. question and, and we'll come back to those areas of alignment. Um, Tony, welcome to A Public Affair. Uh, thank you very much. I have a question about the pond that's on that site. Um, I've heard different things from different people that either it's um, it's very clean and safe to, to be in or that it's actually very polluted. So I have a question about the pond and also about cleanup costs on the site. How, you know, uh, are there a lot of places that need to be cleaned up on that site? Thank you. Great questions, Tony, in terms of cost of that uh, ecological restoration that has to happen there and the prospects for it. Colleen, can you shed any light on that? Uh, yeah, both the pond and a lot of areas on the site um, need a lot of resources, um, a lot of investment, a lot of money, a lot of uh, physical labor, a lot of expertise to restore these spaces. Um, so again, it's going to take a huge partnership it's nothing the city can do all by themselves. It's nothing that friends of Starkweather Creek could do all by themselves. And it's nothing that the development team is going to take on all by themselves. So um, a partnership is needed, uh, but it isn't realistic for us to say, okay, well, um, the best expertise in terms of restoration is with the parks department and friends groups. So um, the development team will give this 34 acres to these uh, entities and these entities can manage that from there. Um, it's lovely that that would be in public ownership then. And at the same time, a reality needs to be uh, understood about the cost and um, hours that it would take to get that restoration done and the fact that giving that potential land to these public entities would um, automatically save a ton of money for the developers because it would um, relieve them from their park impact fees for the remainder of the development. So we would like to see uh, some investment from the developer's side uh, along with public ownership eventually in making a great deal of work, um, Tony, happen that's needed on that site. I don't know exact numbers for cost estimates, um, and I don't know how much of a bead Starkweather has on that yet either. Colleen, just this is a follow-up to Tony. Um, do you have any sense of water quality issues in that pond? We know, of course, that Starkweather Creek is contaminated with PFAS, 
from the airport largely, um, but any sense of other water quality issues there? I think there are water quality issues in the pond. Um, I personally don't have a lot of detail on that. There are some experts within Save the Farms group. Um, so I encourage people, and I'll say this now and probably at the end if I have time, to to join the uh, VoitCore meetings, we call them. Um, they will kick off in 2023 tomorrow evening from 6 to 8 p.m. on Zoom. Uh, if you can't already, you will momentarily be able to see the Zoom link and the, um, and the meeting on the calendar at savethefarm.net under the events menu tab. Um, and you can click that link and join us. And that's where we talk about some of these details and uh, knowledgeable people show up and, and share that information. Thank you, Colleen. That's Colleen Robinson, uh, interim president of the Madison organization Save the Farm here on A Public Affair. We have another caller. Randy, you're on A Public Affair. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to get said that I think uh, what we're dealing with here is trying to balance the needs of the community for this property with uh, the, the profit imperative of for-profit developers. And that's that's a valid and important balance. But I think some of the things that are being left off of the planning that's been offered so far by the developers reflect the fact that they need to make a profit. And there are aspects of this land that will benefit the community. Uh, for example, the agricultural element, as Helen said, that's where they want to put a lot of units of housing. Well, if there were less units of housing, there would be more room for the agriculture. So I just wanted to get that point up about profit for the developer, benefit for the community into the discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Uh, very uh, well said recognition of a crucial underlying tension in this whole discussion, right? Is um, how do we, in a market-based system, uh, address those needs of the community and the priorities that Colleen has been outlining for us. We just have a few minutes left, Colleen, so I want to make sure you have time to talk about those priorities and the ongoing process a little bit more. Um, what role do you envision Save the Farm having going forward as you collaborate with the developers to uh, achieve as much of this vision that you've laid out for us as possible? Sure. Well, um, let me first mention to Randy's point and others that what we saw on December 8th shows an original community vision of 20 acres of urban farm reduced to 14,000 square feet of community garden and an undefined amount of space to an orchard or other edible landscaping, as well as mention of potential for small community gardens immediately within some of the residential building plots. Um, we saw a desperate need for affordable housing reduced to a mere potential 18% of the buildings on the site, which translates to less than 18% of the actual units. Um, it's fantastic. Some of these affordability plans are in townhomes that could be owner-occupied, but the affordable rental space, at least on December 8th, was limited to one three- to four-story building on the site. Um, they're planning to build seven, as well as eight four- to six-story buildings. Um, we heard interest in working with other developers, potentially by selling some of these plots for others to develop as the entire project is really large for one entity. And especially the affordable housing aspect is handled best by entities like 
Stonehouse for tax credit housing, but other nonprofit affordable housing organizations, maybe some that are part of third sector in Madison. There's no guarantee or detailed description of how these nonprofit developers for affordable housing would be engaged or how much has already taken place. Um, words like potential and possible were used a lot. We heard that a brick and mortar ecology and community center wasn't feasible, maybe food carts and rentable shelter spaces for a community welcome area, but um, not this commitment to what the community has been resoundingly responding about, which is we need educational space, we need community building space, we need space that connects us to our food. Um, and so I think moving forward, uh, you mentioned collaboration with the developers. So that is something we've been interested in all along. We thought we had it. Um, we are unsure at this point. Um, we really want to hear a formal way that we can engage, not Save the Farm as an organization, but Save the Farm as the community of Madison, as community voices. Um, we need to know how this is going to not be gentrified um, community. We need to know how urban land can be served as urban agriculture. Um, one idea that's I'm, been brought forward I'm is- I'm afraid I'm gonna have to jump in there, Colleen, to wrap because we're, we're out of time. But thank you for, for sharing your vision. And I know you're hosting a community meeting tomorrow, correct? Yes, please join us and we'll talk about some of the ideas on the table already that the community can help us advocate for if you feel aligned. Thank you. I've been talking with Colleen Robinson, Interim President of the Madison Organization, Save the Farm. Thanks again for joining us, Colleen. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today on A Public Affair here at WRT 89.9 FM Madison. I'm your Monday host, Douglas Haynes. Thanks to our engineer, Andrew, producer Jade, and news director, Sholly, and stay tuned for Madison Book Beat.